Thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show. Today we are going to have a special guest. It's going to be Elise Enriquez. And if you like what you see and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link before below. Lise, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. I'm so glad to be here. Absolute pleasure. I am excited about our episode. Me too. Why don't we start off with a brief description or a long description of, <laughs> <laughs> of who you are, what you do, and how you got there for the listeners or viewers who do not know who you are. Sure. Careful what you ask for in that long description. No, I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, and I really feel like all of our experience is relevant to what we do today. So 100%. keeping that in mind, I will, I will keep it as brief as I can. So I'm a productivity coach and I help people make progress on what matters most to them while still remaining present to what's happening all around them. So basically I want you to experience all the good stuff that's happening in your life and be able to make progress on your goals and your plans and your dreams. I just want you to be able to do that in a way where you're not sacrificing your current life for your future life. So that's, to me, that's what productivity is actually all about. I got here actually via corporate America first. Well, Lemonade Sand when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I was raised by pseudo entrepreneurs. So Lemonade Sand as a kid, we had a berry farm growing up. So I kind of was surrounded by that entrepreneur uh, mindset. And then uh, straight out of college, worked in media for a little bit and then worked at Microsoft for a number of years and did process and policy work on the MSN sales team. So the online advertising division. So I was kind of in this brand new Wild West kind of space, like online advertising back in the very, very early days when you would just click on a little link when not like actual ads. <laughs> so I got to see that whole world develop. Uh, I knew corporate America wasn't for me. And I was married to a mortgage broker at the time and was convinced that real estate was the best choice for me as my career. And I went and got my real estate license and I did well. I did really well in real estate. Uh, and John, before we started recording, you and I were talking about sometimes you can be good at something, but that doesn't mean that you love what you're doing. And that was me in real estate. I loved working with buyers. I loved being in the car with them to help them like, under get on the same page about things. I loved all of that. I was horrible. I hated listings. I hated, and, and you know, the, the old saying in real estate is listing is living, but I did not, <laughs> I did not enjoy listings. And through that, I signed up for a coaching program and through a coaching program was like, well, can't you just help me figure out what I want to do with my life instead of helping me with real estate coaching? And they're like, no, we just do real estate coaching. And I just started exploring things and eventually was realizing, no, it's, I want to help people with that kind of thing. I want to help people get clarity on things and move forward on things and got uh, training as a coach and got certified as a coach. And that was uh, almost 15 years ago, actually. So I've been a coach ever since. And in the past, almost eight years, been focused mostly on productivity for entrepreneurs, really, again, helping people make progress on their goals, make progress on their dreams, but having them have simple systems set up so that they're not keeping it all in their heads and they can actually enjoy their lives. Well, that's interesting, right? Like I've uh, I always wondered, right? Like, I mean, you said you went to school for, for, for coaching and stuff mm -hmm. and um, it's not something I'm typically used to hearing and I'm not yeah. saying there's anything wrong with that. And I'm not saying that like, you know what I mean? It's just like, for me, I think of it as also like entrepreneurship school. Well, how, mm -hmm. how, how can entrepreneurship be at school? Yeah. Because really you're not entrepreneur, you're not, right? Like it's sort of like, I don't know. I find it fascinating. It's not a, cri yeah. a criticism, if that no, makes sense. No, no, totally. Right? Like I find yeah, it fascinating. Like, like, yeah, I'm curious. Was that always around or is it like something I just didn't notice? 
Or is this something new? Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, I want to become a coach. Like, how do you do that? Right. And so I get part of it was just I was naive enough to not know that I could just, you know, nowadays, a lot of people just call themselves a coach and they do it on their own. Right. Um, But but coach (laughs) training organizations have been around forever, like for not forever, for at least 15 years, probably about 20 years. And I happened to be, you know, early in the in the in that career when training and certifications were kind of the norm. So if you were to work, if you work with a coach that's, you know, been around for any length of time, like in in that 15 to 20 year mark, they're probably, they've probably have gone through some sort of actual coach training. Um, I went through like a life coach training school. And so that's where, so when you're in that training, you're learning concepts around psychology and sociology and different models for helping people think about things and helping them get to clarity. Um, Where my actual learning has come like, so that was a good foundation. Um, And it's it's not required, but it is helpful. (laughs) Right. Um, But you can read a lot of books that will help you understand concepts and models to work people through. So I don't feel like uh, coach training is necessary and certification is necessarily required by any means. I'm glad I did it though. So I'm for me, I'm glad I did it. It just gave me confidence, I think. Um, But I think generally speaking, I'm somebody who enjoys listening to people, enjoys solving a problem, helping them figure it out, helping them get to clarity. And so this, this just gave me more tools to do that. Yeah, I get that. Now, when you got into the description of the course, now it made mm-hmm. sense to me. Now I understand it. Right? Yeah. it was one part is like, I wasn't sure exactly what, what goes on there. Right? Like, and, and you know what? Ironically, you're into getting clarity. Yeah. And that, uh, <laughs> and that description, yeah. you made it clear on what the course is about. Like I never yeah. considered the life part. And you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things I, I typically think of a coach. And I think of somebody who's had that experience and they're, right. pre, you know, teaching the experience they've had so yeah. that people don't have to repeat it or can fast track to that success. Exactly. And, and that's the way I think of it. So then I think of it, what's there to learn in school, right? Yeah. And then and then yeah. I think of those uh, 20-year-old life coaches that are teaching people about life and I'm going, you're 20, <laughs> you haven't really lived yeah, what, life. what life, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Like, and I'm not knocking, I mean, because, hey, you know what? Some people have natural talent, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sure if I enter, you know, if I go and knock on enough doors, I'll find a 20-year-old that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not to knock it, but I'm saying as the general rule, <laughs> right? Well, you well, like you said, some people have like a natural talent or a natural affinity or interest. And I, I think I could have definitely become a coach without training. Uh, and it's funny because still to this day, every once in a while, I'll reach back to that original training and like pull out an exercise, right? From that original training that I learned to do with people. And so it's really just having tools in your toolbox. And like, again, you can get that, that through books. You get that through your own life experience. Um, and you can get it through certifications and training programs. And, and a lot of times now, you know, there's more opportunities for these kinds of trainings where they're way more specific. Mine was very broad in general because it was kind of like life coach training. And that kind of, um, bothered me in a way. Cause I felt like, I don't know if I'm a, I never liked the title of life coach. I like, I don't feel like I'm a life coach exactly. And so over time, as I worked, I, I didn't intend to work with entrepreneurs. I was working with people through career transitions at first because that's what I had gone through. I thought, oh, I'll help people leave corporate America, right? If that's what they want to do. And that's, I thought that's like my, like you're kind of saying, like you teach what you have done yourself. Yeah. And I had, I joined a networking group. Uh, so it was BNI. I don't know if, um, if we your listeners know BNI very well. No, I know, I know you guys have them there. Uh, so uh, I would, I joined a BNI group and I was of course the only coach in that group. Cause it was, you know, 
12, 13 years ago. And uh, it was interesting because people in the group and granted in BNI that you do a lot of hiring each other to get to know each other's stuff. But like a lot of people are like, well, but can you help me? And I was like, well, no, because I'm not like, I'm not an entrepreneur exactly. I, I mean, I've been a real estate agent. I had a lemonade stand, but like, that's not, <laughs> that's not exactly, you can be, I feel like you can be a real estate agent and not be an entrepreneur. Like if you're not thinking of your real estate business as a business, you're not an entrepreneur, right? If you're trying to treat it as a job or a side hustle, I'm like, you're not an entrepreneur. But anyway. 90% of the people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, like you got to think of it as a freaking business if you're really going to do well in real estate and in mortgage. Like it's, it's your, it's your business. You're responsible for it. Anyway. Um. So when they were asking me to help them, I was just like, I, I, I don't think I can help you. I don't run businesses. I only run my business, you know? And um, over time though, I came to realize that I love working with entrepreneurs, which was the same reason I loved being in the early online ad space is it was the, that early online ad space, even though it was Microsoft was super entrepreneurial. You were kind of building the plane as you're flying it. You're setting goals and figuring out how to get there and entrepreneurs, don't have the shackles of corporate America, right? You get to decide it's your business. You get to decide what you're going to do. The only person that's going to get in your way is you. And that's where my training comes into play is to help you get through those mental blocks, help you identify what the next action is, and then set up your system for making it happen. And I'm just, that's just how I'm wired is to help people do that. And so it, it just completely shifted. My focus was when entrepreneurs started asking me to help them and I thought I couldn't do it. And then I just started doing, it was like, oh, I love this. I love this. This is the best. Yeah, this is interesting. I am fascinated by this. Uh, I think with career transition and I don't know that space well, mm -hmm. so I'm going by a lot of assumptions here Go is that um, I figure when somebody's in the middle of a career transition, um, especially if they've already left a job, mm -hmm. I would imagine getting them to spend money oh gosh yeah would be very difficult because a lot of the times let's be honest there's some people that are i, I don't want to say smart because it doesn't make you smart to stay in a job you hate just to find another job and it doesn't make mm -hmm. you stupid to do that everyone right. is different yeah. but um a lot of people they uh they leave their job and and sometimes before they even find another job just because they're so miserable yeah now, at that point in time whatever is in their bank account is really all they got mm -hmm. now where i'm going i i find it in my personal some experiences not a lot but a little experiences and some observation because i've been around a lot of career people it's hard to get them to be willing to spend money even though that money they're spending may be the difference for them but it's yeah. hard to get them to understand that yeah it's it's one of those things where i think in the entrepreneur space we know more about investing in ourselves like yes we know that like everything we're doing is an investment in ourselves like it's we are our we represent our business we provide the service for our business like especially if you're a solopreneur so we know that sometimes we need to invest and so yeah as uh, people who are more in like corporate you know roles or jobs as as my ex and i see like oh i gotta go out and get a job right like if you're in a job job um it can be harder to see that ability to invest in yourself if you've already left your job but even if you've stayed if you, even if you're still in your job that can be hard i think the biggest thing about career transitions for people who are in um, a more traditional kind of like uh, W-2 <laughs> kind of environment, right? Where they're, they're getting a, a regular paycheck, they've got a salary, is the comfort of a paycheck and a salary, right? And so, so for them to choose to either leave 
that that um, safety and not pursue another W two job, and they're going to go into entrepreneurship, is one whole leap to make. But the best thing they can do is figure out is to make sure they know where it is they want to go. And sometimes you can't do that when you are in distress or when you just haven't given yourself time to explore. Like as a as somebody who just jumped into corporate America right out of college, I didn't explore anything else, and so. I stayed in real estate while I explored my next career option, right? That I was able to keep right. my real estate business going. And at the same time, I was out there doing informational interviews with anybody I could think of that I was interested in their job. And it wasn't until I talked to somebody who put in front of me the fact that he's like, you just kind of, I think you should consider coaching. And I was just like, what, what are you talking about? And he was just like, you bring a lot of energy and sunlight into a room. You are somebody who helps people get things done. He's just like, I think you should just consider it. And because I was being coached, right. I knew that this, this world existed. Um, I was being coached in a very, like I said, limited way. I was with a, a real estate coaching organization, right. right? So I was being coached in a very limited way, but I was being coached nonetheless and seeing that there was value in that. And that was something I was investing in already. So I already saw value. But I think the I think it can be hard for people to make those investments in themselves. And to me, it's like it's a matter of like how much time do you want to spend figuring this out? Right. You can figure it out over the course of, you know, four years in your life, or you can figure the course of six to twelve months. And really get on the right track. Yeah, I want to debunk what, something you said there, right? Everyone mm -hmm. taking the safe route with a W two and all that crap, right? Mm -hmm. um, and notice I use the word crap. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> and, and and I I think reality is I don't think it is safer. I think it's people's programming. And let's be honest, we all got that programming growing up. Mm -hmm. If you were uh, if you were born, like I would say, if you're a baby boomer on, you were. Uh, you know, basically fed that, go to school, get a good mm -hmm. education, get a good job, buy the white picket fence, save your, yeah. for your retirement, yada, 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 yada. We all got that saying, and there's nothing wrong with that saying. Well, there is plenty wrong with that saying. That's besides <laughs> where I'm, that is, where, it's a path for some people, right? It's a path right, for some people, right. and that's great. <laughs> right, but where I'm going is that the myth I'm trying to break here is it's not the safer route. Yeah, I agree. Because you're allowing other people to control your destiny. Yeah. Your boss, you go into a job where you work for somebody and that boss says, do jumping jacks. And you say, that's not my job. I guarantee you by the end of the year, you'll be gone. Yeah. Right now, try to fire yourself when you're, when you're the uh, employer. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's what, and sometimes you shouldn't fire, you should fire yourself when you're the employer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's a whole deeper discussion. Yeah, that's a whole different, different thing. But. No, I want to, I want to 100% support this. Yes. Like even if the W2 path and that, and the salary and that, and the benefits, like there's a lot of great stuff that comes with that job, that life. Like I had that life. I had amazing benefits. I had an amazing salary. I can never go back to it. Now that I've left, I can never go back to it. I just don't have it in me to be somebody else's employee. I really don't. However, that works for some people and that's okay, but you cannot treat it like you are going to get that company's loyalty. I left Microsoft about two years before all the layoffs started. There I feel go. so grateful that I made a choice to leave because I didn't want to be there. And then I watched so many of my friends get laid off. So many people who'd worked so hard who were, have given so much and they got laid off and then they got rehired back on and then they got laid off again the next time. There is no loyalty anymore to employees. There just isn't, unfortunately. And so it's really important that even if you're going to be an employee, that you treat yourself like a business owner that, ha or even a consultant that has value. You know what your value is and you're out there taking dates with other companies and you have yourself positioned for your next opportunity because layoffs can happen 
at any time. And to be clear that the lack of loyalty is a two-way street. Mm -hmm. It's not just that, uh, you know, the way I find is that employers are not loyal to employees, but employees mm-hmm. are not loyal to employers anymore. Yeah. It's become, it's become a lack of trust, like on all sides. And so it's yeah. like, everybody's, everybody's got to figure out how to like strike that balance between how do you give your best and do your best where you're at and still keep yourself positioned for the next thing. And it's, it's a hard mindset for people to be in, I think, but it's, I think it's worth working on so that you don't find yourself without a job and no prospects. Right. Now, where I was going to touch upon here, right, where where I was going with this, and we kind of led into it, is that it comes down to the mindset. And here's the thing. The problem is that, as you said earlier, employee, uh, sorry, employees, entrepreneurs tend to see the value of working on themselves. Now, 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 it makes it sound like the coaching is really just made for entrepreneurs looking to build their business. The Mm -hmm. truth of the matter is the problem is that I think that employees could actually benefit more from a productivity coach than the entrepreneur because the entrepreneur already made the step to go on his own. So he's halfway there, right? Mm -hmm. The the, the decision to say that I have had enough of whatever and I'm going to do something is already half the step. Mm -hmm. So where the employee is usually doing it because they think it's safe and they have no real thought. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm not where I want to be right now. Yeah. And I do not want to be an entrepreneur. I want a job. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, why can't you have the job you want? And that's mm-hmm. where working on yourself and self-improvement can yeah. lead you towards the job you want. Even though mm-hmm. it is another job working for another organization, it can lead you there. But if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? And a productivity coach can help you lay out the steps so you can build that education, build that knowledge, build that worth to get you there. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think coaching is helpful anywhere. I think everybody needs a coach at some point in their life, if not all the time in their life, and probably a therapist too, right? I'm a big fan, like have a therapist, have a coach, have as much support as you need to allow you to be the best that you can be in this world. I feel like we get this one life, we better make it good, right? This is the only life I know I get. I might get other ones. There might be an afterlife. I might get reincarnated. I have no idea. I have no idea what's really gonna happen when I die. I only know about this one. And so I better make this one good. And that means going after things and still enjoying my everyday life. Like I don't want to miss out on my everyday life because I'm going after the next thing. And I've watched so many people, especially in the entrepreneur space, do that. They are, they are losing track of themselves. As entrepreneurs, we are so good at seeing possibilities that we pounce on all of them, right? And so it becomes this state of overwhelm, too much to do, a lot of busyness, a lot of letting your email and your phone and your text run your day instead of really taking control of your time so you can decide how you want to spend your time on this earth. Like to me, that's the that's the biggest thing is like, sure, what I'm talking about is often very tactical and practical, but all of it is leading for you to be able to live out your purpose in this world, to be able to bring the best to this world, because I think the world would be a better place when, or will be a better place, I should say, when we are all getting to be who we really are and getting to do what we really wanna do. And we need all types to make this world happen, right? Like we need all types. There are people who like cleaning. There are people who like engineering. There are people who like medicine. There are people who like real estate. You know, like there are people who like all of these things and we need to let them do that and support them in doing those things that they like actually like. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Now, 
you, you brought up a point of balance, right? How do you find your, like, how do you balance your day? Yeah. So I, the way I always phrase it is when I have my best days and I phrase it that way because it's important for people to know that, and, and maybe nobody thinks this, but I feel like there's, there, there are some people at least who used to think this is that just because somebody's a coach, it doesn't mean they have it all figured out. It means they like figuring it out, right? They might be a little bit ahead of you on one in one way or another, or they have like, for me, I have an interest in productivity. I like figuring things out when it comes to productivity. I like helping other people figure things out when it comes to productivity. That doesn't mean I always have it together every single day in my life, right? So on my best days, <laughs> the best thing I can do is be realistic about my time. So being able to make sure that I have a calendar that I can trust that is telling me where I need to be and when, and it only tells me that at the be at least the day before all it's showing me is that then either the night before or the next morning it's a matter of saying okay what do i want to get done besides these appointments besides this time i'm going to be on the road besides you know the 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 podcast interview i'm going to be doing with john like what else do i want to get done that day and being able to say okay what are the next steps to make that happen when am i going to take those next steps the thing that i see most people do especially entrepreneurs is they are not realistic about their time they think they can get more done in the time that they have than they can actually get done. And I will say for the real estate listeners out there, for anybody who's a stinking buyer's agent, or even if you're listening, like if you're in the car, you're not getting much else done, right? So for you to expect to get 40 things done today off your checklist when you are showing three clients, like it's just not gonna happen. Like quit expecting that much of yourself. So really balancing your day is more about being realistic about your time and making sure in, in terms of like a balance is that the stuff that is already in your day is the stuff that you care about. So it's not always gonna be business. Sometimes your day might be a little bit more heavy on the personal and that's okay, but it's a matter of what do you actually need in terms of time to get to where it is you wanna go. And I wanna add another point. When you're in the car listening to a podcast over music, do not use that as your excuse to say I'm being productive and I'm learning. Yes. Sure, you yes. can be learning by listening to podcasts or reading books, but if you put nothing that you've listened to or read into action, then there is no productivity in that formula. Yes, because yes. I, I, I can like, force myself to you know watch YouTube University all day long, and at the end of the day, I'm still where I started. Yes, yes, yes. I cannot say yes enough. I want to have like applause buttons over here and be like, yeah, it's like a big <laughs> uh, a cheering crowd. That is one of um, it's kind of one of the things that I, I prepare people for when they work with me is that we are going to be action oriented. I'm going to ask you to run experiments. If you tell me you want to do this, I'm going to believe you, right? Don't tell me you want to do it I'm, unless you really want to do it. I'm going to believe you because we're going to at least try. We're going to at least try to do something with that because you cannot say yes or no to things by listening to podcasts, by watching YouTube videos and not doing, like you said, not doing anything about it. So if you're wanting to improve your marketing, you're wanting to actually, maybe you, you have an investing goal, right? You have an investing goal. You're listening to what John has to say and you never try any of it. You're like, no, I listen to John all the time. I watch all of his videos. Like, good for you. Did you try anything? Did you reach out to John for a consultation? Like, have you done anything with this information? You are never going to know if something's going to work unless you try it. No, and that doesn't mean you have to be all in on something. It means you just have to be all in on the very next step. And that is the hardest work for people to do sometimes is to figure out the very next true next step that needs to happen. They're often thinking four steps down the road 
And that's already too scary. And they could, it doesn't even seem that like big of a deal, but it's, they cannot think of what the very next action is they need to take to make progress on something. And so when I can get them to, to see that, like the very next step can be so small, it's so small, they can actually take it. And when they take it, they can find out, do I want to take the next step or not? And if they do, okay, let's take the next step and let's keep going until they get to a point where it's like, no, actually, I know I don't want to do this now. Great. Let's try something different then. Yep. And then the next thing that people have to remember that uh, they're afraid to fail. A lot of people are afraid to fail and uh, that's a big hurdle. But the reality is that you should embrace failure because you don't learn anything by listening and not doing, but you also don't learn anything by trying to avoid failure because you're never going to get things done the right way the first time round. Now think of growing up as a kid when you start playing sports as an example, whether it's a school sport or whatever, like just say you're playing soccer was the first kick you made end up in the net or did it get saved or did you miss more than likely you missed that is a failure. And how would you end up scoring? Because you practiced enough and you learned enough. So now you're actually hitting the net instead of missing it. Mm -hmm. But that wouldn't have come without failure. And business and life is no different. You're going to do things and you're not going to succeed. Use that as a lesson to learn what you did wrong and what you need to improve on and how you get closer to the win. That's part of the journey. It, the way I, I say it a lot, and it's I, what I love is when my clients start saying the same thing where I'm like, it's just information. That's just information. Like that didn't work. Like if yeah. you didn't do your best, you can be hard on yourself if you want to, but like you, you really went for it. You tried something, you took an action and it didn't work. That's information now. And now we can use that information to improve, to pivot, to make a different choice, whatever that might be, but it's just information. I mean, could you imagine like, when you think about it, I'm, I'm going to take it even further back from sports, but to, to just a child, a baby learning to walk. Yeah. Like, could you, you imagine it? Like at some point we were all brave enough to try and fall and get up and try and fall and get up. So it's in a strange way. It's like asking you to go back to that, like baby mindset of like, no, I want, I want to do this. There's something in my body that wants to do this. Let me give it a shot. Oh, let me get up and try again. Let me get up and try again. Right. It's like when parents tell a six-year-old or a five-year-old or a four-year-old, you can be whatever you want when you grow up. Mm -hmm. Well, it never occurred to them that they couldn't. Mm -hmm. Right? Let's be honest. A six-year-old, if you tell them, what do you want to be? And they tell you they want to be a fire truck. uh, You mean a fireman? No, they mean the fire truck. It hasn't (laughs) occurred to them that they can't become a machine. Yeah. Right? So, (laughs) right? Reality is by making that statement, you're putting on a limiting belief on them. Yeah. Right. So, and and that's my point though, but growing up, why can't you believe that something is possible? You know what I mean? Like why you're putting on your own limiting beliefs by worrying about fear. Mm -hmm. And it, and, and for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not, so I do something with, with clients where, um, we do like your word for the year, your guiding phrase, that kind of stuff. Love that. And people will often like every year, somebody will pick the word fearless. And I'm like, no, I don't, because you're, you're wanting a word that is the thing that you don't want. You're saying, I don't want fear. That's not going to happen. Our amygdalas our our brains are wired for fear. So what I usually try to direct them toward, like, what about brave? How about brave instead? Like fearless is just not possible. It's, it's biologically, psychologically not possible to not have fear. What I want to see is are you willing to act in the face of fear about the things you care about? That's bravery. Let's try brave instead. You know what? It's funny because when you said that, you're right about everything you just said. 
but I went somewhere different in my head. Oh, tell me. Right. When you said somebody tells you fearless, I expect most people to say that. Mm -hmm. And uh, not because that's what they want, because when you're asking somebody something and they're under pressure, I think they're trying like when a person uses that word, they're using that because they're telling you what they think you want to hear. Mm -hmm. That's where mm -hmm. I went with it. Yeah. And yeah. it's almost like they need to be reminded that they're there for you're there for them. They're not there for you. Exactly. And when you go back to that brave part, then it's sort of that reality check. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and the way that we do that exercise too, luckily, is that by the time we're talking about a word, there's a lot of work they've done on themselves to start to surface that word. So hopefully they're not doing too much of telling me what I want, but that is a risk with coaching. That is a risk with certain, especially certain personality types to like, I'm just going to say what I think she needs to hear so I can get done with this call because I feel uncomfortable. Right. And so that's where as a coach, you really have to be able to watch out for things like that and say like, Hey, what's going on? Like, it seems like this. So that way you can say what you're observing notice the behavior, call it out and give them an opportunity to see for themselves what they're doing so that they can make a conscious choice about changing it. And sometimes they won't be able to do that in a session. Um, and sometimes they're going to, they'll, they'll leave the session and then I'll get an email later going, oh my gosh, it finally clicked. I understand, you know, right? Like where they just need to get away from it and then come back to it. Or, and sometimes I'll say like, Hey, I don't think, think there's an action for you today. I want you to sit with this and get back to me, you know, within the next couple of days, and then we can figure out what your next action is, right? Like the last thing I want to do is have somebody take action um, towards something that they're just, they're providing as lip service, right? I want them to take action on the things that they really care about and they're passionate about. And like I said, like, don't tell me you want to do it unless you really want to do it, because I'm going to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to believe you. I'm going to start out believing you until you show me different. And once you start to show me different, then I will challenge you. But at the beginning, you tell me you want to you know, grow your business by X. You tell me you want to start a new business on the side. You tell me you want to hire people, whatever it is you want to do. I'm going to believe you and we're going to start working on that. And then once we start working on that and you start to show me otherwise, then I, then I will challenge you. Makes sense. Now, when I got into or I tried, got asked to coach a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I bring it up and I, uh, you know, I tried my little stint at coaching and uh, nothing wrong with it. And I'm not sure if I'm even going to drop it. I might try it again. But yeah. at the time that uh, I don't think I was ready for it because uh, many different reasons. But I had too much going on, whatever. You know what I mean? I was uh, not fully uh, committed, for lack mm -hmm. of a better description. And I remember the one question I used to get was, um, well, how long do I have to uh, do this for? Like, how long do yeah. I have to, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's almost like, it seems like, you know, when somebody's approaching you for coaching and they don't understand it, it's almost like they're thinking it's like a, like a short-term uh, subscription model. Right. And, right. You know what I mean? And it's like, how do you answer? How long do I need coaching for? Like how many sessions do I need to buy? Right. Like, what are you getting a drug refill? Like, I know, I know, right. <laughs> right. Well, and I, and I think that's, I think it, 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 you start to, as a coach, you start to figure out what are the right containers for coaching, for the coaching that you do. And so for, for me, the type of coaching I do, the container is about a year. Right. And so what I, I, I'm kind of not interested in working with anybody who's not interested in investing in a year for themselves of, of like saying, of, of acknowledging that it's going to take longer than a couple of weeks or a couple of months to make significant life changes. Right. And so because these changes, the things that the things that happen in coaching, yes, we are talking about taking action. Yes, we are, are working on mindset. A lot of it is your habits and habits take time. 
dismantling habits that don't support you, putting in productive habits, all of those things take time and they take reinforcement. And so to think that something's going to get done in a week or a month to three months is just not reasonable. And I, when I was a, a coach in the beginning, when I was a baby coach, as I would say, when I was a baby coach. I, um, you know, back in my early days, I offered a three month package. I offered a six month package. I would still do that for my existing clients right? For clients I've worked with off and on throughout the years, I would give them a short package if they wanted to. But if you are really starting to turn your productivity around, I'm going to like, in honesty, it takes about two years. What I offer is a one year container, right? And it's front loaded with three intense weeks to get you on ramped and to put systems in place to support you like really simple systems so that your brain can be free and clear again. But after that, it's a matter of building the habits of using those systems. And so my podcast is called The Productivity Shift for a reason. It's not like the productivity transformation. It's not the, it's like, it's a shift. You're going to make daily choices and daily actions and weekly and monthly things that are going to happen to help shift your productivity to where you really want it to be. Love that. And that's absolutely true. Now, with that being said, you're obviously not everybody's going to be for you. Um, you know, I mean, everyone, uh, you know, and experienced marketing people, you always say, who are you targeting? And their answer is always everybody. Oh, God, and, no. <laughs> uh, The clear clue that you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, but um, yeah. where I'm going is, who's your avatar? Like, who's your ideal client? Yeah. So the one of the ways I put it is women in charge. I do have some men in my program, but largely it's women because they are balancing both their business. They're the leaders in their business. They are often the leaders in their household in terms of carrying the mental load of everything that needs to keep the household running. And they're oftentimes leaders in their like friend groups and their communities. It doesn't mean they it's by title. It doesn't mean they have a title that's a leader. It's just that they are the ones that everybody goes to and they are the ones that tend to be able to juggle everything. And on the, on the, uh, in front of everybody, they, they look like they got it all together behind the scenes. They're like, Oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. Their business could be thriving. Usually their businesses are thriving. And they just have too much going on that they're not enjoying the life that they have, but they don't want to stop the success, right? And so for me, it's finding those people who are usually solopreneurs up to about 10 people on their team. Usually that's about where I, I max out with people because I coach their team sometimes too. Sometimes it's just them. Sometimes it's their entire team. Um, and so it's anywhere from a solopreneur to 10 people. And they are, they are, like I said, the, the leader, you know, whether it's by title or just by the nature of their personality and they just have too much to do. They are feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling busy. They're feeling at the demand of their email, their text, and their phone, and they're not taking control of their time. And I help them take back control of their time so they can use it for what matters most to them. And sometimes they're so busy, they don't know what matters most to them. And so it's getting those systems in place so they can get clarity and step back and pause with me. And I can say, okay, now what matters most? And they can start to see that again. Love that answer. Now, how do you typically, get out there and uh you know drum up business right i know i'm sure in the beginning it probably was a little bit of advertising a little bit of referrals and stuff yeah. like that but like what's your your uh what I call that income producing activity. Yeah. So back in the day, it was definitely more by referral. Um, I did a lot of speaking engagements, presentations, all of that kind of stuff. And so that usually built up that built up my audience quite a bit. After once COVID really kicked into full force and we were all staying home more, uh, I was doing it more virtually. But really for me, my favorite thing to do, and it sounds kind of funny, but it's totally income generating for me, is to do this, is to be on an interview 
um, to be in somebody's community. So if somebody has like a Facebook group or community or something like that, and they want a productivity expert to come in and do a live Q and A for them, that's the best thing because then I'm actually able to help individuals and they get the experience of working with me, even in just a small way to know that I'm a safe person who's also going to challenge them to take progress on things. So my best income producing activity is to do live Q and A's with groups. Awesome. 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 So yeah, that, that's uh, some great tips. There's some great nuggets. Well, and I think that I think for anybody out there who's running a business and you're needing to think about what are my income generating activities, you got to make sure it's something that you can keep up. I could do live Q and A all day. Like I love it. I can do interviews all day. I love it. I love responding to somebody, right? Um, as a, as a real estate agent, I hated doing open houses, hated doing open houses hated doing door knocking. Like, mm -hmm. but if you were to put me in front of a room and answer questions for people about real estate, or you were to put me in front of a, a, a couple and they're like wanting to know, so like a home buyer's workshop, that was great for me to do. Right. So it's really figuring out like, how do I want to spend my time and what's going to give me the most bang for my buck in terms of time. And it's gotta be something that you can keep up. Otherwise you're going to burn out. I agree with you on that. Like for me, I love the podcast. I love being on video. I yeah. could literally have somebody follow me on video all day long and I could just keep on going. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just, we all have different strengths and different yeah. uh, things that work for us. So that's awesome. Now we all also have certain clientele that what I call difficult <laughs> and, um, and I'm sure you've come across them. Now, some are manageable, some are not. Have you ever come across someone that was not manageable where you actually had to let them go? And what was that about? Yeah, so there's it's it's interesting to see uh, where that's where it can be risky to pick your coaching container because if it's a long coaching container, like that means you might have to break up before that time is done. I've never really had to do that. Usually, one, I've be, just become better at who I say yes to, right? So it's not just who wants me, but it's like, who do I want in this world of mine. Um, but in the past, when I've had somebody who basically wants to be in drama all the time, they they came to me and they said they wanted to not be in drama and they wanted to fix things, they want to move forward. But when we worked together, they weren't taking action. They really wanted me to be somebody who just listened to them complain. And I'm never going to be that person. I have a ton of empathy to a point, but at some point I'm just like, do you want to do something about this or not? Right. And so what happened with our, um, we were, we had moved to a month to month contract after doing a year together. And I was just was like, yeah, you're, I, I think this is time for us to stop. I think we need to push pause. It doesn't seem like you really want to work on this right now. I am here for you when you're ready to work on it. And, and she agreed. She agreed. She's like, you're right. I'm not in a good spot for this right now. Okay, great. So she had been for a while and we were making progress for a while, but it stalled out after a while. And I'm like, I can't, I can't want this more for you than you want it for yourself. And that's the biggest challenge for anybody who's a coach is to make sure that your want for somebody isn't more than their want for themselves. So I, I always want people to make progress, but if they don't want to make progress, then I'm not going to be the right coach for them. Well said at, at that time, at that time, they can, they can change. People can change. Um, but in that moment that people aren't always ready to do the kind of work that I do. And sometimes that means I refer them to somebody else, or I'd say, Hey, I think you might need therapy more than coaching right now because you need a place to process these things. And that's okay. So work on therapy for a while, or it sounds like really you need a coach that's more about mindset. And while I do some mindset work, I'm not a mindset expert. So let's get you to somebody I know that does that. Right. And so the, that's the beauty of what I do is I feel like I'm not for everybody. I'm not for everybody all the time. And it's important for me to be connected with people, whether it's other coaches, 
other mental health professionals or even other service providers like in real estate investing, you know, law accounting to be able to say, here's, here are some people that you can talk to. Yeah. That makes total sense. That makes total sense. So with that being said, what advice would you have for aspiring entrepreneurs who are you know scared or have an idea and not really sure where to, what to do with it? Yeah. I would say, go talk to somebody who's doing what you want to do. People tend to like to talk about themselves, right? And so they're usually going to say yes. Uh, and if they don't, you just go to the next person. But I think the best thing you could do is get a realistic view of what it looks like to do the thing that you want to do. Um, and, and not because you should be scared away from anything, but so that you can be like, oh, you can go into it with eyes wide open. So I think a lot of people that I work, I've worked with in the past in real estate, especially is they don't, they think real estate is about houses <laughs> and they don't know how much you have to spend selling yourself, like promoting your business, doing all the lead generating activities. They somehow, they really don't get that until they start to try to do it and realize how hard that can be. It's like, so you got to like go and talk to people who are doing what you want to do first and foremost. After that, you know, figure out that action, that plan to get in place. And if you are not somebody who can do that, then yeah, that's when you're going to look for a coach. That's when you're going to look for a mentor. That's when you're going to find somebody to help you figure out what is the path forward. But I think the best thing you can do is talk to people who are already doing it. Love that. Now with um, every business, we all have that moment where we get into it and we have those fears, as I just said, and we get into it and things are happening and all that. And we have a moment where we get a uh, success moment, like a really mm -hmm. happy moment where that fear and that, you know, self judgment kind of doesn't necessarily disappear, but it sort of subsides because we have what I call that aha moment where we're like, yeah. okay, I may not be where I want to be yet, Mm -hmm. but at least I'm going in the right direction. So my question is, have you had that aha moment? And sometimes we have many of them. Yeah. What was yours? Oh my gosh. There's, I've, I've had too many because when I am coaching, like when I am in my element, I seriously get like little chills up my back. I'm like, even talking about right now, I get like little chills up the back of my neck. Like when I am really on purpose, um, with people. And so I would do whole purpose work with people to uncover their purpose and their purpose statement, all that stuff. And so when I'm feeling like I'm very much on purpose, I get that tingle. And if I didn't get that on a regular basis, there's no way I could keep going. It's, it's hard running a business. It's hard generating new clients. It's hard doing all that stuff. I do all of that so that I can have those moments with my clients, right? To, to have those like where you see the light come on, where you see their hope come back, where you see the win that they got, where you see them embrace who they really are. Like that is exciting stuff for me. Right. And it's like, it's like a, a buzz that I get. And so I get to have that like on a regular basis. So that's what keeps me going. I could have ditched this a long time ago if I wasn't getting that. And so that's why I was saying like, even in your lead generation activities, make it good. If you like hosting, host open houses, right? If you're somebody who needs to needs more clients and you're not doing great at that, like, and you love hosting things, like be the ultimate open house person. I like hosting, but I was not a good open house person for some reason. I just wasn't. But like I said, me in a live Q and A, I would do that. I would be like, okay, I'll sign on for eight hours of a live Q and A. No problem. <laughs> I would be, yeah. I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled. So I luckily get those ahas, those thrills every like practically every day, like, but at a really heightened level, probably a couple times a week. Right. Um, and they happened early for me and I knew I was on the right path, even though 
back then, 14, 15 years ago, it's like, what's coaching? <laughs> you know, besides real estate coaching, yeah. like what, what, what the heck is coaching? Right. So you need to, you need to find what makes you come alive and do that, find ways to do that in your business so that you can keep going. Brings back a uh, quote that I heard before and I love, and it's uh, by a man named Jim Rohn. It's uh, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, yep. and really what you just said, just reminded me of that quote. Yeah. Cause it's hard. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not easy. There's, I would never tell anybody that's easy to own your own business. It is not easy to own and run and generate income for your own business. It's, it isn't. When you think about everything that needs to get done, some parts of it will be easier. Lean into those as much as possible. Some things you can make easier, make them easier for yourself. Quit making it so hard. Yeah, exactly. All right. In light of time, I'm going to come down to the last two questions before I go into what I call the lightning round. Okay. So second last question is, how do you know you've had a successful day? Oh, gosh. I, I know a lot of people are going to think that as a productivity coach, I'm going to be like, when everything got checked off my list, and that's just not how it is it's when i've made progress on the things that were most important to me so i could have had a list of like 10 20 things that i like hopefully was going to do but when i make progress on the things the most the two most important things the three most important things for me that day that is success that is absolute success and when i've gotten back to all my clients so ba basically i when you know whenever i do a session i send a recap and i love to send it as quickly after a session as possible so those like that's when i feel awesome is when i've been like okay all the recaps are out to my clients they know exactly what they need to do i made progress you know on my business stuff you know in the in the two to three most important areas i'm good to go there could still be 20 things on my to-do list that day i don't care awesome now last but not least where would someone who's watches the interview or listened to it and, and they're looking for you and want to reach out, where would they go? Yeah. So you can go to The Productivity Shift. So that's my the name of my podcast. It's also my Instagram handle, The Productivity Shift. And it's kind of funny. I've been doing something a little old school and I've been hanging out more on my personal Facebook page, which is just Elise Enriquez. You can find me there. Um, so yeah, that's been something that uh, it's kind of been a shift I've been playing around with is just to like that's where a lot of my network is actually is still on Facebook more than Instagram. And so I've been hanging out there a lot too. Fantastic. All right, let's get into the lightning round, which okay. is just a fun few questions, which is going to be question number one. What is your favorite food and why? Oh, I love Thai food. I just love the mix of carbs and saltiness. I like, I love Thai food. Awesome. I do too. <laughs> favorite travel destination and why? Pretty much. Well, Barcelona has been one of my favorite places ever. I, I love, I love Europe in general and exploring, but I love Barcelona for the food, the walking, the architecture. I just, it's one of my favorite cities of all time. Awesome. Now favorite book or podcast and or podcast. No, I you know, you can't do that to me. <laughs> I have so many. Um, all right. I, rewind. We're going to take that back. <laughs> no, no. Let me, let me, let me give a plug to, um, to Michelle Mazur. Um, she has a podcast called uh, Make Marketing Suck Less, and I love how straightforward and direct she is about her marketing advice and about how to create a message that will drive your marketing. So Make Marketing Suck Less, I listen to it every single week. Awesome. Okay. The final question and a fun question. If you were given unlimited amount of money, but 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep? What you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? 
Well, I would buy uh, a compound, like a vacation compound for me and my friends and family. I would do that. I would, in 48 hours, I'd make that happen somehow. <laughs> I would like, here's cash. I will buy that vac vacation compound. And I would probably buy a bunch of trips all around the, all around the world. Ooh, love it. You're about the experiences. Yes, absolutely. Especially experiences with others. Awesome. That's amazing. I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. It's been incredible. Thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show.